Thank you very much. Fantastic. Well, well, well. What a great morning we're having, and I'm just believing God that, uh, you know what, he's going to show himself strong in this place today. Amen? This is only going to be a short series, and uh, you know what, as I've been getting into this, I'm thinking, oh, I could do a week on that, and I could do another week on that, and I could do another week on that, but I'm having to sort of hem it all in. But I want to encourage you to do your own study, to do your own study on the clothes that we wear as, as Christians, as you know, those who, who love God and God loves us and he's filled us with himself. And there is so many things I, you know, I gave a list last week. I, I talked about being clothed with strength. Wouldn't that be a great study? Uh, about three of us. being clothed with honor. That's a great one to look up. Being clothed with honor. I did a series probably eight years ago now on, on honor. A whole series just on the power and the importance and the priority of honor in our lives, being those who honor. I think that's really important in the day we're living in when honor is just a lost value in society. I was listening to somebody just on the news the other day or the press preview afterwards and um, he just made an incredible point actually. I can't remember the, you know, the point he made but he said something like we've lost the ability to debate without getting personal. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, as he said this and he talked about how you know, it's, it isn't the case anymore that we just debate the facts. It's we criticize the person. There are some people that I really don't like in politics <laughs> right now. But it's not personal. I'm sure they're wonderful people with a heart for this and a heart for that. But, but you know, because now we have such an invasion into people's personal lives, and it is an invasion, it's not a right. It's not a right, it's an invasion of privacy. And it's because we've created a monster and we've put everything out there and we get upset when people have a look. <laughs> and then people get personal and they, and they criticize back. That person's a liar. How dare people call people they don't know and have never had a conversation with a liar? Hello? Let's just not get personal. Let's debate facts, not private lives. And that actually all comes down to an understanding of honor and having a heart for people. The Bible says love believes all things. Wow. So there's lots of things that we're to be clothed with and that we are clothed in. And we're going to be going through some of those in the next three or four weeks. The armor of God we're going to be spending some time on. The robes, the garments of praise, we're going to be spending some time on. <coughs> Excuse me. But today I want to go straight in and just spend one morning on something that is probably the most important garment that we are to understand and have confidence in. I think last Sunday was just an incredible Sunday, actually, when, when lives changed, mindsets were changed, transformed forever, I believe. Never again. That wasn't in my notes, but dear God, as we started to declare that out, something shifted in this place. Yes. 
never again am I going to look like that. Never again am I going to think like that. Never again is that going to be my identity. Anybody identify with that? I know I did. I've been declaring that all week. Never again, never again, never again, never again. So I'm excited about today because today we're going to talk about robes of righteousness. Robes of righteousness. And it's something I'd love to to get really down into and get all the Bible verses and really go through it. But, but for this morning, we're not, we, we haven't got time to do that, but I want to encourage us all. We, we can all go online. We've all got concordances. Strong's concordances for the strong. Young's concordances for the young. And Cruden's concordances for the crude. Yeah? No, that's not, that's not how it goes, just saying. But... <laughs> But we should all have concordances, which is like a, you know, how to study into the Bible. You can go to any word in the Bible, and it gives you every time they appear. And you can just spend time going through every one. Just go through every one, find out what the Word of God says about something. It's how we study the Word of God. The Bible says, study to show yourself approved. Don't just read your verse for the day. Amen? Come on, I'm preaching better than you're responding on that point. Amen. But today, we're not going to go through every scripture or anything like that. I just really want us to, to really catch the spirit of the thing. The robes of righteousness. Incredible robes of righteousness. And when we find out what that means to us, Isaiah 61 verse 10 says this, I greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. Abundant praise overflowing gratitude. Why? Because he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and he has covered me. I love that word cover. It's a powerful Bible word. To be covered means this is how God sees you. This is how God sees us. It's a covering. And he has covered me, not just clothed me. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness. I love that verse. Very powerful verse. I love Isaiah. Isaiah is just a wonderful book. And especially Isaiah, sort of 54 over to 64. That's sort of 10 chapters or 53 uh, through to about 64. Just fantastic. And right in the middle of it, you find why Isaiah is so excited and why he understands his relationship with God and probably the reason why, and it goes all the way back to the early part of Isaiah when, when the Father is saying to the Son and the Holy Ghost, who will go for us, who shall we send? And Isaiah, he's going, me, 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 pick me, pick me. <laughs> you ever seen those, those ones, those, pick me, pick me, pick me. And he said, well, I would do, but we need to sort out your words. We need to sort out your mouth. <laughs> Hot coal touches his mouth, marks him forever. His life just goes onto a whole new stratosphere. But here we have what I believe is an understanding of, of what's at the heart of who we are as a believer. And that is an understanding that we are covered in a robe of righteousness. 
and what that means to us. It is a gift. Fundamentally, we've got to understand this. The robe, the covering of righteousness is a gift. What religion has always done has said it is a reward. And it's never a reward. It's never a reward. It's not because you or I did something. It's a gift from the love of the Father. You can never do anything to earn it. And you can never do anything to remove it as a result of actions in your life. I've already said this is a covering, it's a robe. And what do those things do in the old days? They didn't have, you know, raincoats. They had, they had robes. They had something that would absolutely cover their life. And it was there as a protection. It's there as a covering. It's there as something that adorns us, a robe is not just a garment, it's not just a piece, of a piece of cloth. It's something that speaks, it's something that protects, it's something that adorns us. I saw a bit of a film yesterday. We had a lazy day yesterday. Have you ever had one of those? We got up at 1.30 in the afternoon. I don't give a rip what you think. We enjoyed it. We lay in bed. I, I watched a film, we got a TV in the room that we just sometimes sit and watch and, and, it's, um, and we watch Remember the Titans. What a film. I have seen that film so many times. Denzel's one of my heroes. I think he's absolutely awesome. He's a man of God. He's a, he's a, he's a, a phenomenal actor, great values, on fire Christian going to one of the greatest churches on the planet, tongue-talking Pentecostal, going for it, believe in Jesus church. Anyway, that's got nothing to do with the film. <laughs> I just endorsing a person there. And uh, so we watched Remember the Titans and that came and I was streaming in tears and as I always do with something that really touches my heart and Mop all that up and then watch the next film. I watch teary films. I just, not girly films. Not, not girly films. I watch films that gah, get you in the heart, you know. And then we watched uh, this film. It was already halfway through. We just channel flicked while we were lying there in bed doing absolutely nothing. And, um, and there was this old Tony Hancock film called The Rebel. The Rebel. And um, it's, it's a really rubbish film in some ways, but there's some really funny bits in this film. Anyway, he gets elevated as an artist that he's really not. He's not an artist. The whole thing is he tried to explain that he did not paint these pictures. That he, he owns them, but he didn't do them. And this art critic sort of elevates him to this new, you know, Prodigy, really. And, and, and the next scene, he goes from being quite a trampy figure. He comes in with this long cigarette, you know, it's like one of these sort of Cruella de Vil long sort of, you know, and he's got this hat 
and he's wearing this arty stuff. I, I felt like saying, actually, we need to get our art team and our, our creatives to watch this film because it's just hilarious, all the cliches and the parodies of creative people. He's just brilliant. Anyway, he comes in and he's got this robe on. And there was something about him wearing that robe as he just floated in, absolutely changed who he was. And he came in for dinner and he unrobed himself and he gave it to a servant. You know, he'd gone from being a nobody to being this, hey, I'm just the best. And it was just what this robe did. And I saw this robe and what he was doing. I was going, wow, that's stunning. It's not just an overcoat. It's not just, this, this absolutely gives you a persona. That robe that we have, that the Bible calls the robe of righteousness, cannot be earned, cannot be deserved. It can only be received by faith. It can only be received and worn by faith. The Bible says of Abraham, Abraham believed God and that act of him believing it was accounted to him for righteous, for righteousness. 1 Corinthians 5.17 says this, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. We covered this a little bit last week, but I've got to throw it in there again. I've got to put it in there that, that did Jesus commit any sin? No, but he took your sin. Did you ever commit any righteousness? No, but you get his righteousness. Hasn't got anything to do with what we deserve or what we've done or what we earn. So I'm just going to go through three things that this robe of righteousness does really in our lives. What it, it gives us. You see, the word means this. It, it means to be in right standing with God. Right standing with God. It means I am in a right relationship with God. Now again, this hasn't got anything to do with what you've done or what I've done or what we've said or what we haven't done or how much we've prayed or how much we've read our Bible or how often we've come to church. or It hasn't got anything to do with whatever we do. It's a gift we are presented when we receive Jesus Christ as Lord, as led by the Holy Spirit. We repent, we open our hearts, we're drawn to the cross, and he robes us with a robe of righteousness. And that means we are in right relationship with God. Whether we feel like it, whether we're good, or whether we're naughty. Aren't you glad that our Heavenly Father is not like Father Christmas? Because there's only a few more shopping days to Christmas, so I've got to start sowing the seeds now, yeah? You better watch out. You better whatever it is. He's trying to find out who's naughty or nice. God's not looking around to find, see who's naughty and, or, and who's nice. He'll robe you because of your faith in Jesus Christ. And that's the starting point. That's not where we're trying to get to. 
That's the starting point of our relationship with God. You see, religion says you've got to do this, 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 and this to get into a right relationship with God. But what Christianity says, you can never be in right relationship with God, so we've got to get you born again. And you are reborn, recreated into a right relationship with God. He did it. You don't do it, I don't do it. He does it with a new birth. There's confusion actually in the body of Christ about that whole thing of being adopted. There's one verse in the Bible that says we are adopted as a son. It's not talking about the fact that you are adopted into a relationship with God. Absolutely not. You are born into a relationship with God. That, that expression over in Galatians chapter 4 about being adopted as a son or adopted as a child is talking about the bar mitzvah. When somebody reaches the age of 13 years old and they become a man, that's their adoption. And it's really speaking about those coming out in, in Israel out of the law and into grace. But for you and I, I'm not adopted as a son of God. I am born again as a son of God. I'm born into the kingdom. I'm not adopted into the kingdom. The adoption does a different thing. But as a son of God, I'm born again. Wow. Amazing. So I want to cover three things. (laughs) And then at the end, we're going to receive the bread and wine. And enter into a time where I believe God is going to do an incredible work in people's hearts in this place. The first thing I want to say is this. What does this robe give us? Well, number one, as we have this robe on our lives and we become righteous, we have a position in God. We have a position. This is a positional thing. I've just said we are born into right relationship with God. This is a position. This robe that we wear, it's actually a transformation of the heart. But you understand the picture here. It's something that we have. It's an identity. We covered all this last week about the identity that we have on the outside really comes from what we are on the inside. But the identity that we are now righteous gives us a boldness, gives us an access. We sang it today. Nothing can separate us. There are no barriers between you and God. Between us and God, there are no barriers. Sin is no longer a barrier between you and God. Oh, but Pastor Jay, I've sinned. There's still no barrier. Nothing can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing. When the Bible says nothing, it means nothing. There are no barriers between us and God. Why? Because we're in the presence of God. We don't go in and out depending on our lifestyle. Are you getting this? We live, we stand, everything we do when you're at home chilling out, when you're having a lazy day and still in bed at 1.30, you're actually still in the presence of God. 
when you're here on a Sunday. We may experience a more tangible presence of God, but we're no more in the presence of God than when we were when we're fast asleep unconscious. Because this is a position we have in the presence of God. It's not because life's, oh, I'm coming back in, I'm coming. Now there's a, there's a way of course when we enter in and, and on purpose and we pray, we enter in with a confidence and a boldness. But dear God, we're born into the presence of God. That's where we are. It's who we are. Gives us an access. There's no barrier. Nothing can separate us. What does it do? It gives me relationship. I can come in and shout, Abba, Father. Not shout because he's a long way off. The Bible says we cry out, this is awesome. Abba, Father. The most intimate expression of a son to a father is saying, Abba, you're my dad. Amazing, amazing relationship we have with God. Now, that is in no way exclusive in as much as we don't have a humility that says you are an awesome God, the most high God. But we can put those two things together. You are the most high God and yet you're my dad. And you can only balance those if you're in a relationship with God. If you're outside of that relationship, you'll either swing to try to get hold of one or swing unto the other because you can't, you can't handle the two when you don't know God. But when you know God, you have a reverence and an awe for the Most High God, the Creator of the universe, and we have an understanding and He's an all-consuming fire and we serve God with reverence and fear and we understand all of that and we, you know, there's, there's this, There's this awe, there's this honour as we approach God. And yet it's from the same place that we say, Abba, Father. You're my dad, you understand me intimately. And you still love me. You know what I've thought, what I've done, what I've said, what I haven't done, what I should have done, what I didn't do. And yet there is no change in your love towards me because you're my dad. That gives me a confidence. (laughs) You know what we've heard, I've heard over so many years, different experiences of people with their dad, their earthly dad, their, their, their father. I've heard so many different experiences. I know there's different sorts of um, generations. Long, you know, if you see these old um, dramas, especially the Charles... Dickens sort of, you know, dramas and, and the pride and prejudice and stuff. And the father figure was this, was this removed figure. And the kids were like, you know, in, in fear. In fear of the father. And the father comes in and he's like, oh, well, father's home. And the only job of the father was to make sure that the discipline And the house runs the way it was. But as far as relationship and love and intimacy, zero. Zero. And that's got less and less over the years. And where we're at now, which is a pendulum swing, and it's gone way too far. Way too far that, 
you know, there's no real understanding of honor and respect and there's, and there's complete just rudeness, dishonor towards father figures. The thing's pendulum swung. But somewhere in there is where there's a right relationship, there's honor, and yet there's intimacy. But so many Christians get this so mucked up because they've not experienced it growing up. And they've either had the, the real easy, no real understanding of honor, or they've had the real fearful upbringing, or they've had a, a, just a completely dysfunctional upbringing. But aren't you glad it's not dependent on what we've known growing up, but it has to do with the Spirit of God in us and how He reveals in us the love of the Father and He reveals in us the strength of the Father. And I don't know your experience today. Perhaps you've had a fatherless upbringing. Perhaps you've had an objectionable upbringing. Perhaps you've had a dysfunctional upbringing. But today God can set that right. He can set it right because it's by revelation. It's because of the robe of righteousness that we have. It gives us a confidence. It gives us an identity. I know who I am because I know who my father is. This is why we have such a, a world today where people are crying out for identity. Identity is so confused. I am what I feel. I am what I want to be. I am what I choose to be. No, you are who you are. <laughs> and we get our identity from knowing who our father is. And our father is a heavenly father. I know who I am because I know who you are, Lord. I love this verse and as we move on to part two, but I love this verse, 1 John chapter three. I'd love to read the whole passage, but it says, when our hearts condemn us, God's greater than our hearts. When we feel one way, God's bigger than how you feel. When you've lived one way, God's greater than that. God's always greater than what you're experiencing. Isn't that good news? When we feel like we can't go before God, God's greater than that. When we feel like we deserve to get in the presence of God because we're so flipping awesome, God's greater than that. You getting anything out of this this morning? Yeah, so good, so good. This really has to be at the very heart of who we are in God. There's no point understanding the garments of praise unless we understand the robes of righteousness. There's no point in, un, in, in trying to wear the armor of God if we don't understand the robes of righteousness. Everything comes from an understanding that I know who I am because I know who he is and he's received me just as he is, so am I. Oh, it's amazing. Number two, these robes, they give us a position of righteousness which is now a passion. See, it's here where lifestyle comes in. 
See, because I know I'm robed with a robe of righteousness, because I know he receives me just as I am, because I know who I am in Christ and it's no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me, because I know I have a confidence and a boldness by the blood of Jesus right into the throne room of God, because I understand all these things, because I'm robed with this and I didn't earn the robe, it was a gift, because I understand these things, it creates a passion in me. It creates a desire in me. It creates an an engine starts running on the inside of me. A passion, and I use that word passion because it's a Bible word. The Apostle Paul said, I'm struggling with this this incredible power, this, this energy on the inside of me. There's a passion this has created. The Bible says of, a church, I wish you were hot or cold. But because you got no passion, either be passionate for that or passionate for that. But don't live in this lukewarm environment where you just got no passion for anything. See, God wants there to be passion. He loves passionate Christians, people who are on fire. We call it being on fire for God. We used to sing this song, the word is out, that you're alive, you give freedom. About 25 years ago, it's an old COC song. The word is out, the word is will punch the air, the word is out. And it's just amazing. But the, you know, just in the versey bit, it said, there's a fire in my belly and a fire in my bones. And at that point, we had to turn around and punch each other in the stomach. Yeah. That's what we did. We did, I tell you. Men's conferences were violent, man. They were, I mean, seriously, you got hurt. Fires, fire in your belly. And we go, boom. Bit like we're sumo wrestlers, just about to do all this sort of stuff, you know. And the All Blacks. Oh, <laughs> Come on, England. And the All Blacks and they're... Or what is it? I don't know. No, not that one, is it? Shoot, that's not what I meant. I don't know what it is. Stop it. You shouldn't go there. That was a mistake. I'm terribly sorry. I don't know what they do. It's all... I don't know. I better get back to my lecture. And that was not. <laughs> only, <laughs> only in Citygate, eh? You know what I mean. And there's this. Yeah, come on. Come back. Please come back. <laughs> I'm going to have a drink. I need one. <laughs> Oh, man. Fire in your belly. Fire. Passion. Righteousness is a position and righteousness is a passion. It creates a lifestyle. See, understanding we're robed and covered with righteousness produces good works. See, good works are really important. 
produces good works. Good works never produce righteousness. Because righteousness is a position. And you can never get into the position by doing something about it. You're born there. But once you're there, it produces the good works. Which is why my heart really bleeds for people who are doing everything they can to try to please God, but they don't understand the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Whole religions built on a passion for God. But they're not in the presence of God. They're out there trying to get in. And the more they do, the more they realise they're not in there. So they do more and more and more and more to the point of extremism, violence often, because they think, I've got to pay the ultimate price to try to get in there. I've tried doing the, you know, just the everyday nice stuff, the good stuff and just helping people and being nice to people and I still know I'm not in there. So I'm going to become more radical now and I'm going to do some more stuff to try to get in there because everybody knows we're not in there so I'm going to be one that gets in. So I'm going to do more and then 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 I'm going to do more. Pay the ultimate price of giving your life or trying to take others or whatever it is and you still don't get in there. It's a horrific trap that religion, let's, let's put it firmly and squarely where it is, that the devil has stirred up to destroy what God has created. But for those who are born in the presence of God, who are born again by the Spirit of God, love Jesus Christ, received Him as Lord and Saviour, to be born here means we will do good works. You can't say you're born there if you're not doing something. You can't. The Bible says those who say they love God and yet they don't love their brother, they're lying clear in the Bible. You can't say you're born here and yet there's no evidence out there. But the evidence out here or the, or the, the heart, the passion, the desperation out here doesn't get you in there. But there is a passion for righteousness. The Bible tells us this in 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12. But you, O man of God, uh, Flee these things, which is youthful lusts and anger and all sorts of works of the flesh. Run away from them. Flee them. I'd love to say to everybody here today, run as fast as you can with all the energy you have away from the stuff that will kill you. Flee it. Don't play with it. Oh, you're just preaching the law. I'm not preaching the law. I'm preaching survival. (laughs) Run away from it. It'll kill you. It'll kill your family. It'll kill your job. It'll kill your finances. It'll kill your health. It'll kill society. Flee this stuff, but pursue righteousness. Run after it. Stir up a passion on the inside 
and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. What's it say on? Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life. Lay hold of the life of God. You see, if I'm here and I'm created here and I'm in relationship with God, no barriers, face to face, father and son, Abba Father, then I'm going to pursue that lifestyle. Why? Because I know what I've got. I know the relationship I have. So from that place, I'm going to pursue living like it. Not to try to get into the presence, but because I love my father so much. Because I love my God so much. I'm so grateful to God. The evidence of that has got to be, look how I'm living. Look at the life I'm living. Now we all get it wrong and we all fail. That's why we're robed. That's why we're covered. That's why we're clothed. We still get washed and cleansed. And when you get it wrong, don't leave the presence. Stand there and say, Father, wash me. (laughs) Wash me again. Don't leave every time you get it wrong. Stand strong with a confidence because it's got nothing to do with your lifestyle, the fact that you're there. Hello? See, a lot of Christians, they're in and out and in and out and in and out because I got it wrong, so I'm out. No, I'm getting it right, so I'm back in. No understanding of grace. Only understanding of law and works. It says in Galatians 5.22, walk in the Spirit and paraphrase, your flesh won't be a problem. Walk in the Spirit. Have a passion for your life in the Spirit. And your lifestyle will clean up. Isn't that good news? So pursue righteousness. Why? Because there's a passion on the inside. What else do we need to do with this righteousness, with this passion we have? Is to practice righteousness. 1 John 2, 29. For if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone who practices righteousness is born of him. This really is a an extension of what I've just been saying. If we're pursuing the lifestyle because we know who we are, then we got to put it into practice. And practice means practice. If you want to be great at something, you got to put in the Bible. It's, you know, people say about 10,000 hours to be an expert in something. I want to be an expert in living right. Not from a place of arrogance, but from a place of I love my father. You're getting anything this morning? See, this whole thing of the passion of God, the passion we have leads us into a place of incredible power. Righteousness, number three, is a power. It's a position. It's a passion And number three, it's a power. If I can have the band back up, please. It's a power. The Bible talks about, as we've already discussed today, we have a robe of righteousness. But the Bible says this. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 8, Your throne, O God, I love Hebrews chapter 2, man alive. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever a scepter of righteousness. Everybody say scepter of righteousness. Say robe of righteousness. Say position of righteousness. Say a passion of righteousness. But now we have a scepter of righteousness. 
And a scepter, the Bible calls it a lot of things. Perhaps you, you know, you've heard those scriptures where it says, he will rule them with a rod of iron. You've heard that as a rod of iron. That's the scepter. It's not like a big stick. It's a scepter of righteousness. A scepter of righteousness. Psalm 110 verse 2. The Lord will, sorry, you Lord will send your mighty scepter from Zion. Now that's really speaking about the people of God. Rule in the midst of your enemies. A scepter of righteousness. It's this, it's this sign of authority. I love the fact we have a, uh, over here in the United Kingdom, we have the royal family. I think it's an awesome thing. I think it's great. And you see when they're crowned, they have a crown, they have the orb, and they have a scepter. And what that means, what that speaks of is authority. It speaks of dominion to rule. Scepter of righteousness. I took somebody to see the crown jewels the other week and poured with rain and we stood outside for about two hours getting absolutely drowned. But we went in and it was worth it. To see, to see the most glorious jewels and whatever else. And then there are these scepters. You see all these scepters all in a line, a whole load of them. And then there's the, there's the main one. There's the royal one. And you think, well, what does that speak of? Authority, dominion, power. Well, it's a scriptural thing. You, Lord, send your scepter of righteousness through the church. We have a position of righteousness. We have a passion of righteousness. But it's a power that we have. The scepter of righteousness, the power, the dominion of God is firmly and squarely seated in the church of Jesus Christ. Where does the power come from? Power comes from prayer. There's no two ways to, other way to say it. Our life of power, because we're positionally in the presence of God, because that means there's a passion of our lifestyle to show the relationship we have, part of that intimacy we have with God and part of the rule and authority we have is, is, is in our prayer, is in our prayer life. And our prayer life speaks of our relationship with God more than anything else. Because it's our communication with God. It's a dialogue, not a monologue. And the Bible says, James 5.17, the effective, fervent, heartfelt, continued prayer of someone robed in the robe of righteousness makes tremendous power available, which is dynamic in its working. Prayer, you see that word there speaks, it's a Greek word which is dunamis, which is the dynamite power of God. We get all sorts of words from that. Explosive, we get generator from that. 
the effective, fervent prayer of somebody who knows they are righteous, who's in the presence of God, producing a lifestyle of righteousness and someone who knows how to pray and who has, who has stirred themselves up in prayer with heartfelt, continued, passionate prayer. The power of God surges through their life. It's the dynamis power of God that produces the incredible works of God. God's not working independently of His church anymore. He's working through His church. The scepter goes through the church. And where does the scepter come from? The prayer life of the church. This is how God rules in the midst of His enemies. Through the prayer life of the church. One of the most amazing examples of righteous prayer is when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. Righteous prayer. He said, I'm not panicking. Oh, but don't you know he's sick? I'm not panicking. I'll go and raise him from the dead. Scepter of righteousness. And he gets there four days later. Lazarus is already stinking, already been dead four days. This whole thing. It's a mess. Everyone's wailing. No one has any hope. Everyone's given up. If only you'd been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Oh, I mean, all this is going on. And then, then she says the religious bit. But even now, I know if you speak the word, she didn't believe it. She'd just been religious. Because he said, okay, I'll do it. She said, oh, I know we're all going to be raised up at the end. Now, I'm not talking about the end. I'm talking about now. Because I've got a scepter in my hand. I've got a scepter in my hand. Robed in righteousness, Jesus knew who He was. Produced a lifestyle. Demonstrated authority. Because He had the robe on. And you can't earn the robe. So you got it, even if you don't think you got it. The power of God. And then He groaned in Himself. Said, where have you laid Him? Then He groaned in Himself again and said, roll away the stone. And everyone's going, what the heck is going on? And then he says something that only righteous people can say. Father, I know you hear me. I know you always hear me. I'm only now saying this out loud so they know what's going on. I know who I am. I know what I'm gonna do. I know what I can do. I know it's always the case. Righteous prayer is knowing we're in the presence of God and that whatever we pray in the name of Jesus, He's going to do it. That's not arrogance, that's righteousness. <laughs> Lands on the sick and they recover. Righteousness says, okay. Move any mountain. Righteousness says, okay. I know it's going to happen because I'm righteous. I'm robed in this stuff. It's produced a passion in my life. I know who I am. I can speak to any mountain and it'll move because it's not me speaking, it's Him speaking through me. The scepter goes through the church. I can lay hands on any sick and they'll recover because it's not me healing them. It's the power of God, the scepter of righteousness working through the church. 
I can trample on anything deadly. Nothing will by any means hurt me. I can drink on anything deadly. I can, I can cast out any demon. Why? Because I know it's no longer I who live. It's Christ who lives in me. This is righteousness today. It's the right standing of God. I know whatever I put my hand to prosper because I'm in the presence of God. And where I walk, He walks. And where I touch, He touches. Righteousness speaking. Righteousness speaking. Lazarus, come forth. The scepter was stretched out that day. I'd like us to give out the bread and the wine now, please. As we all stand to our feet in this place. As we receive the bread and the wine, this is one of the greatest ways to demonstrate our righteousness. One of the greatest ways to demonstrate our righteousness is to say, I'm one with God. I'm one with God. Come on, let's lift our hands to Him today and just spend a little bit of time just in the presence of God here. As we have the bread and the wine to here today, I want us to understand three things. Number one, know that we are robed. I know the bread and wine's going around. There'll be a little bit of sort of stuff happening, but come on, let's stand in the presence of God here today. Know that you are robed. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You got it because you're so valuable. We don't go down the road of we're just a worm. No, forget, that's just, that's just pride. Just thinking about yourself. Know that you're robed. Number two, know that sin has no power over your life. Today, people are going to be set free from sin habits right now habitual lying internet porn unfaithfulness in relationships sin habits things that perhaps people don't call sin habits anymore addiction to stuff. God's going to set people free here today. In Jesus' name, as we take the bread and wine in just a minute. Romans 6, and do not present the parts of your body as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves as being alive from the dead and the parts of your body as instruments as weapons of righteousness. For sin does not have dominion over you. Freedom today. And finally, as we have the bread and the wine so we know we're robed. We know sin has no power of us. And number three, know that we have the power to change anything. To change anything. What is it in your life that needs to change today? Perhaps it's a sickness that needs to go. Well, let's change it today in Jesus' name. Because righteousness can do this stuff. It's a scepter of righteousness. Perhaps it's a financial situation. It's a relational situation. Come on, righteousness moves every mountain today. 
in Jesus' name. Come on, Greg, why don't you lead us in some worship here?